Mike Rags and Todd Burlage with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Let's see if Notre Dame held three without playing yesterday, and they did. So in the first four years of the college football playoff, we had a grand total of three undefeated teams included. None of those teams ever won the national championship. Notre Dame and Clemson. Notre Dame and Clemson be a great game. Last time they played in the rain, it was a great game. Went down to the wire in Death Valley. Well, hello again, everybody. It is the Blue Gold Report podcast. I am Mike Rags, one of your co-hosts. Todd Burlidge coming in here in a second. And, of course, wherever you found us, make sure you rate and review us and you uh, subscribe to the Blue Gold Report, brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. Again, if you're listening on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM, all the rating and reviewing and subscribing does not apply, but that's okay. Uh, find us wherever you download podcasts. Uh, we got a busy show. Of course, they get in. They are in the Cotton Bowl as your three seed and will face uh, Clemson. And I say they, I mean Notre Dame football, of course, much to the chagrin of some people that think, hey, they should be in the conference and, hey, their schedule wasn't that good and, hey, all that BS. No, uh, they are in and they will be playing uh, against Clemson coming up on the 29th. It's going to be a huge game. We'll break it down as we get closer to it obviously we've got a lot to discuss with them getting into the cotton bowl um and we'll talk about men's hoops and uh hockey as well uh i know i know the notre dame soccer uh got knocked out but uh i'm sure todd will bring that up in there and his extensive blue gold nuggets um as we await him well he's here now let's bring him in a uh, blue gold illustrated he is the lead writer for notre dame sports and he is uh todd burlage todd i hear some controversy but Buzzing out there about Notre Dame getting in, but there is no controversy. They are in, baby, and they've got a shot to win it all. How you doing, my man? Not too bad. Yeah, I was surprised too. Some fallout there. There was still a lot of Georgia people out there, and I'm thinking, okay, wow. now you have a two loss. Yeah, you, now you have a two loss Georgia team, um, and they weren't a conference champion. But I guess since people thought they passed the eye test against Alabama and covered the spread against Alabama, that somehow that gets you into the playoffs. So that, I thought that was a little bit unreasonable. Well, it's that whole caveat that the uh, committee has that we just want the best four teams in. And yeah, that, people, that's what they said. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, look. Here's my thing, and I know people still clamoring for Notre Dame not being in a conference, and they should be, and we need conference champions in there. I look at it this way. They're the only team that has to go undefeated. All these other teams can lose and get in, so I don't want to hear it. They have to win every game. Every week's elimination week for them. That's why it's like that That argument does not hold water for me. Would, should they be in a conference? Well, that's a that's a debate for another show. Uh, when it comes to the committee, they're the only team, Todd, that has to go undefeated. Yeah, for sure. And, and they play all the other conferences around the country, so you get kind of a good litmus test on where they are. You know, Pac-12, SEC, Big Ten, you know, across the board there. So, um, obviously, um, ACC. So, you, you kind of look at it that way as well. At least you get a nice sample as Notre Dame travels around the country and plays in all the other conferences. And they're playing an ACC-type schedule anyway. There's multiple teams in that conference. Granted, they could have played Clemson but didn't. Uh, but that's just the way the you know the schedule fell this year. I, look, they're in. I'm happy. We're happy. And we'll have plenty of time to break that down, no doubt about it. Let's, uh, let's talk Blue Gold Nuggets. What do you got for us on this uh, December day? 
All right, we'll plow through these real quick. A couple Notre Dame soccer standouts, Thomas Euland and Jack Casey. They both earned 2018 Academic All-American honors. Pretty impressive that Notre Dame has had multiple players on these All-American academic teams five out of the last six years. Uh, Euland, he's a senior forward. Actually, a good one, too. Uh, he leads the team this year with six goals, um, He and he was a second-team All-ACC player. He also carries a 3.95 GPA in biological sciences. I bet I couldn't handle the 3.95 or the biological sciences. And then midfielder Casey, he's played in 58 games in his career. He's a junior. He was a second-team academic All-American. He carries a 3.96 GPA in a double major, economics and poly science, so uh, political science. So uh, good for him. Uh, Good job by those two guys. Lacrosse, this is really premature. Probably could have left it out, but what the heck. (laughs) <laughs> the Notre Dame men's are come on in the preseason are ranked number six in the country. They've been ranked in the top 10 preseason each of the last nine years. Um, that season actually starts in January. So that's, that's a ways up the line. Uh, women's basketball kind of in a little marketing ploy here. They're going to have a baby crawl race December 16th against Binghamton. Um, if you go to the website, und.com and go to the women's basketball page, you can find your form. It's basically, it's, it's for 12 months, 12 month and younger crawling babies. Props and toys are welcome, Rags, to kind of get that kid heated up a little bit. And the winner of this crawl race at, at the Purcell Pavilion, obviously, will receive a year supply of diapers. It's not too wow. shabby there. Those things are expensive. Uh, the Cotton Bowl uniforms were unveiled this week. Not a huge change. I kind of like them. Um, they're going to wear white jerseys, gold pants, green gloves. I dig the cleats, though. Green cleats, and the, the cleats have a golden bottom on yeah. them. Yep. Um, they're pretty cool, actually. They're calling this Rush for Gold. Uh, that, that term will be embroidered on the collar. Not a huge you know, departure from what you're used to seeing, but pretty cool. Nice little twist there for sure. And then we're going to move on to some awards. Again, I'll try to blow through these as quickly as possible. Probably the big one this week was Brian Kelly receiving the Home Depot Coach of the Year Award. He's won this thing three times. He's yeah. actually the only, he's the only coach to ever win it more than once. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because... When you win something like that three times, it kind of indicates maybe there's in, an inconsistency because you know Nick Saban's there every year, <laughs> Dabble right, Swinney there right, every right, year, so right. they never win this award. But uh, good for Brian Kelly there. He was also named the Stallings Award winner. That kind of uh, th- that puts your on-field success together with what you do off the field. And Brian and his wife Pocky have uh, raised four point six million dollars in breast cancer uh, research. So good for him. Congratulations to him. Sports Illustrated released its All-American team and two defensive Irish players, cornerback Julian Love and defensive tackle Jerry Tillery. Both were first-team members. More of those to come in the, in the coming days and weeks. Aloe Gilman was named a finalist for the Polynesian Player of the Year. Uh, the quarterback from Alabama, Tua, he will win that award for sure. Uh, Dexter Williams and Alizé Mack accepted invitations to the Senior Bowl. And finally, grad senior Nick Wisher. He's been named the 2018 American Football Coaches Association. He's the team captain um, for that Good Works Award, uh, sponsored by Allstate. This guy does a lot of community service all around. Good guy. In 2013, his brother Andrew died. He was only 21 years old, died of cancer. And, and so Nick and his family started the Andrew Wisher Foundation, and they have raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for victims, uh, basically the surviving members of the family, to help cover costs and that type of thing. And those are your blue gold nuggets. Yeah, and you go back to the uh, Brian uh, Kelly. Uh, 1994 was the first time they started handing out that 
that award. And I guess it, it goes based on level of expectation for the year. Right. So, yeah. You know, you got the Alabamas and Clemsons. They're expected to win every year. Um, I, I, you know, I think I think it's deserved. There probably might be, might have been a, a couple of the coaches out there that their level of expectations were a little lower, and they and they did real well. Um, and the the, the college uh, fo- uh, the the uh, what do you the, uh, the the soccer? Yeah, that's what I don't want to bring up. The college cup, uh, IU. As we record this, they knocked uh, Notre Dame out. They're they're going for the the whole national championship, and they'll play uh, later on tonight, and we record on Friday. So uh, we'll get to some hoops and some hockey in just a bit. All right, let's talk about this game. I was a little bit surprised they are double-digit underdogs in this game, to say the least. And I get it. Clemson, uh, real good. They can uh, put up the points. Uh, you know, they, 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 But, you know, Notre Dame has had some you know experience against this team and done pretty darn well against the Tigers uh, of, of, of recent years, too. So I was a little surprised, but nonetheless, uh, we are set for the uh, Cotton Bowl down there at AT&T Stadium. And I will say to fans, if they're thinking about going, go. It's a great stadium. Uh, it'll be a great atmosphere. And it'll be interesting to see who travels better for that game, Todd. Yeah, for sure. And they both should travel well, no doubt about that. Um you know, we t- we kind of teased it a little bit at the start of the show, but I was I was just kind of fascinated that people were saying, "Oh, you know, Ohio State deserved to get in, Georgia deserved to get in, and, and this and that." And that's all fine and dandy, but it kind of just goes to show you it goes to the perception of how people feel about Notre Dame outside of the program. Yet, you know, no matter what they would have done, they could have even been in a conference, and I think people would say, "Well, their schedule didn't hold up." That's just how it goes to, at Notre Dame. And so we actually talked to some of the players, and this is kind of a combo clip we're going to pop in here. It starts with Drew Tranquil talking about just how people do view Notre Dame from the outside looking in, and then it feeds into Brian Kelly talking about, hey, we're 12-0, but so what? Nobody likes Notre Dame. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Um, If you're not Notre Dame, you don't like Notre Dame. And, you know, they can, all the experts have to pull from, and they're, Recent experience is what's happened over the past 10 years and how we got blown out by Alabama in 12 and lost Ohio State in 15 in the Fiesta Bowl. And, you know, every time we go against a school with, you know, seemingly superior athletes on paper, we haven't fared well. But, I mean, this team's different. This team is not the 12 team. This team isn't 15. This team is its own team. And, you know, look at our athletes on paper. I think we've got a pretty good spread as well. Um, And I'd take us. They go 12-0, and 0, they don't even get on the play like a champion sign. You don't get on that sign if you win a national championship. So there's no significance of it. So they get that. That's their why. Their why is to win a national championship. So for them to sit around and pat themselves on the back for being 12-0, and 0, that, that doesn't get them anything. So they get that. That's why they come here. They want to win a national championship. And can I point out one thing, Todd? Who the hell has Clemson played that's any good? Uh, you right. know, I'm I'm tired of hearing about this, and out you know, and they had two ranked teams that 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 they've played. Now, granted, they've blown out a lot of teams and scored sixty a few times and all that stuff, but um, they played number nineteen Texas A&M, number twenty Syracuse. Nobody else ranked, so right. I, I don't get it. I don't. Why don't they get any slack for for being in a weak conference? Yeah, it goes to that Notre Dame perception for sure. Yeah, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later here in the show here. Four common opponents between Clemson and Notre Dame, and I'll kind of whip through those when we get there. 
Yeah, so it, it's real interesting. And now, obviously, they, they, they're playing on that uh, the 29th and a huge layoff. You know, that that's the one thing that, uh, you know, I know that it happens in bowl games and all that stuff. But, you know, when, when you're playing for all the marbles, you'd kind of like to keep the momentum going. Yeah, they can rest sure. up. They can rest up and get people healthy. But, you know, when you're playing well, you kind of want to keep playing. Yeah, for sure. And, and the schedule of events looks something like this, you know, plus you mix finals. And I guess what, what I found interesting, it's a little bit different if you're in the playoffs than compared to, to if you're in a regular bowl game. You don't have that certain number, that 14, 15 total practice allotment. You can practice as much as you want. You just have to stay within that 20 hours a week. Uh, so that's a little bit different. Uh, basically, Notre Dame, after the USC game, came back. Kind of took some time off. Did get in the weight room about three times uh, on the, upon that week. That would have been last week. Four days in the weight room this week. They're actually going to start practicing Saturday. And this Saturday, they're going to practice Saturday and Sunday. Um, so then they'll finally be on the field. The next week, it's going to be tricky for the coaches because they're going to have to kind of mix and match when they practice because they're going to have final exams to go up against. And once exam week is done, they can hit it pretty hard, Rags. Players will go home then on the 21st. Uh, spend some time with their families, and then everybody's expected to meet in Dallas. The players will be on their own to get there. Uh, that will be on the 24th, and again, they'll play on the 29th. You know, it's sort of interesting because Brian Kelly said, look, if there's anything, if there's any advantage I can take to this, even though we're kind of the new kids on the block when Oklahoma, obviously Clemson and Alabama have all been here before, is that I've, I've dealt with a playoff. You know, I was at Grand Valley State, and in the Division II playoff rags, actually, is 24 teams. Uh, you have the, six, the the first 16 and then eight buys. So if you're one of those first 16 that has to play, you have to win five games to claim a national championship, four if you're a buy team. But Brian Kelly feels like, you know what, since I've done this before, I sort of know how to balance the schedule, keep the guys peaking, keep the guys fresh, and it's not just a one-shot deal. So here's Brian Kelly talking about how he thinks he has a little bit of an advantage when it comes to prep. Yeah, the bowl game is a whole different mentality. You're you're thinking about yourself and what bowl gifts you get. What's the, you know, this is it for me. You know, maybe I don't play. You know, I don't want to get hurt. Um, there's a different mindset. This is, we're on a journey here. We're going to continue on the next step. We want to win a national championship. So it's just a playoff bracket, you know. It just happens to be a little bit further along. You know, all of our work was done in November to get us into the Final Four, and now there's four teams left. They're all great teams. This is different. Uh, it's, it's not a one-and-done situation. Uh, we expect to win and continue to play. You know, you're really dealing with a, a preparation to continue to play. So this is like, the best way I could probably put it is this is like spring ball preparation, preseason camp and in-season in wrapped all in one. So it's a little bit of a different preparation. You know, there's going to be some days where we're just out there in helmets. There's some days out there that we're running a bench control with every kind of situation that could happen in a game. And there'll be some times out there running, you know, inside drill where we're grinding, 70-play um, scrimmage, uh, tackling. So all of that has to be part of the plan, and you have to do it while you've got exams going on, making sure that you're resting and recovering. So uh, I think we've, I've got a pretty good sense of how to do that. Our guys trust me that we'll get it done the right way, and, and we'll go to work on that. 
Well, I would always make the argument too, Todd, when everybody's bitching and moaning about there shouldn't be a playoffs, all these extra games, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, how come Division Two has it figured out and, and the right. schedule's figured out? You know, the only thing that was holding everything up is bowl games. That's what this is all about. And that's why there's never been a bracket of 24 teams in college football. I still think it could get done. 24 might be extreme, but uh, we're at yeah, four. At least, at least we're at four now. And, and I like the fact that BK knows how to schedule things out. Yeah, certainly, you know, I mean, you can kill, still keep the bowl games. They can just yeah. be playoff games as exactly. well, you know, so exactly. I've never quite understood that. But uh, this is um, an interesting opponent. I liked how you said, you know, everybody's complaining about Notre Dame's schedule, but who did Clemson play? They, there were four common opponents here. Um, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Wake Forest, and Florida State. Uh, Clemson beat Pitt 42-10. to they actually, Syracuse, if you remember, had Clemson on the ropes. Uh, Clemson ended up coming from behind and winning that game 27-23. Meanwhile, Notre Dame beat Syracuse 36-3. Uh, Wake Forest, Clemson did a number on them, 63-3. Notre Dame won 56-27. Florida State, 59-10 Clemson, 42-13 Florida State. Now, Pitt coach Pat Narducci, he came out this week and said, not even close. Clemson is way better than Notre Dame. Um, so we'll have to wait and see how that shakes out. Maybe a little uh, motivation there. This was kind of interesting because Brian Kelly's been bragging about it quite a bit. Notre Dame has now won 21 since the Georgia loss early last season. Notre Dame has now won 21 of its last 23 games. Very impressive, right, Rags? Yeah. Well, guess what? Yeah. Clemson has won 58 of its last 63 games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And one of those wins was actually against Notre Dame. It sure was. It sure was. Uh, that, that was... Uh, that, Go ahead, Rex. No, nah, this is pretty impressive. I mean, Dabo's been doing an unbelievable job there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was uh, the 2015 meeting. Well, that's, it's very memorable, frankly, uh, in the monsoon there. Number 12 Clemson clipped Notre Dame, 24-22. The Irish were actually down 21-3 in that game, uh, came back and uh, made a real game out of it. Even with two late turnovers, they still kept the kept the foot on the throttle. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser was stopped on a two-point conversion, or we would have had some overtime. So, I don't know. That was a long time ago. I don't know if you can use that for anything, but certainly it was worth bringing up. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, you know, and I think part of the uh, hate for Notre Dame could be summed up on Selection uh, Sunday, if you were watching, uh, where Dabo got pizzas for all everybody, pizza, free pizza for everybody, and then they went to Holly Row at the Notre Dame watch party, and they're <laughs> sushi and a and a, this yeah. bar, uh, this a breakfast bar. I'm like, well, now I can see why people might be rubbed the wrong way, a little hoity-toity yeah. on the campus in Notre Dame, but you know. Regardless, it, it was the dichotomy between what they were doing and what the other schools were doing is kind of funny. Yeah, duck crates. Yeah, duck. And actually, somebody somebody pulled Brian Kelly aside right after the press conference and told him about that. He was sincerely kind of ticked off. He did not like that idea that <laughs> for the all for the reasons you just gave, Rags. Yeah, and if you want to get down now to talk about this team versus the 2012 team, I, I think there's I don't think there's any comparison. I think this team would crush the 2012 team if they were playing head to head, and mainly because of the points they can put up on the board with their offense. I think they're much more cohesive on offense with Ian Book and the likes. Uh, that team struggled for points at times. Um, where you know, right. I think this team is just a, a little more in sync on the offensive side. So we're going to talk about comparing the two teams. I think this one's much better. Yeah, I'm with you on this, Rags, but it's been asked so much I thought it was worth bringing up for sure. Um, yeah, if you're, you, you talk about points per game, 
That team led by Golson, that 2012 team, they ranked only 78th nationally, 25.8 points a game. Meanwhile, since Book became the starter, uh, 33.8 points a game in his eight starts. So right there you have a big advantage. I think in terms of star power, and I think time will kind of prove and level this out, but... You know, I think you would have to give the 2012 team uh, the advantage at tight end with Mackey Award winner Tyler Eifert. Uh, Stefan Tuitt was uh, a defensive line standout, obviously, so I think I'd give the line uh, an edge there. But, uh, you know, with the way Tillery's playing, you know, who it's hard to say for sure. And then running back, I think, was, a, was an advantage for 2012, too. That one-two punch with Theo Riddick and Sierra Wood, but... You know, you flip it to 2018, and I think Notre Dame has clear advantages at wide receiver with Boykin and Claypool. Certainly at cornerback with Julian Love and Troy Pride Jr., there's no doubt about that. But it ultimately comes down, I think, to Ian Book, as you brought up. I, I actually would even give the advantage at linebacker, even though Manti Teo finished second in the Heisman and was the most decorated defensive player, I think, in the history of college football. Um, I still would give the linebacker advantage to this 2018 team because you have that one-two punch with Coney and Tranquil. Um, but ultimately, like I said, I think it goes to the job Ian Book is doing. Um, if you talk offense, I think there's no doubt 2018. Defense, I don't know. That defense was really good yeah. in 12. They allowed only 10.1 points a game in the regular season. That compares to 17.3 points a game for the Irish. But I'm kind of with you. I think I would still... I would still give the 18 team an advantage. I think because they better pass the eye test rags in a lot of ways. I mean, when you look at 2012, it was they really had to do some scrambling. Yeah, there was some you smoke know, uh, and mirrors in 2012. There were. Yeah, yeah, well put. I mean, the 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 close game against Pitt where Pitt missed a field goal in double overtime, a 33-yarder, a short one. You needed a goal line stand to win in overtime against Stanford. Well, you also needed two guys with the same number in that game, too, on the field. <laughs> Good <laughs> the, point. You yeah, know, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, and even the season opener against Purdue. You know, right. I mean that that had to come down to uh, that that had to come down to a, a last second drive there uh, to win that game. So there were a lot of close calls. Meanwhile, this year Notre Dame led wire to wire in nine of its twelve games and only trailed once in the fourth quarter, and that was Pitt. So Rags, you and I have talked about it at length here all season long. We never had many. We, we we really had maybe one or two anxious moments this entire year. You I never think, felt like an upset was looming. No, I think Ball State was really the only one where it was close. Where uh, to me it was like, well, wait a minute, we've got some problems here. Uh, and that quarterback played real well against him. And it was early in the season, but that was really the only game that I felt well was in doubt. And and USC in Pit Pit USC got a little scary too. Uh, the way they were the way they were you know kind of uh, looked a little quicker than we did on the field. So uh, but. But it was never where, oh my God, you know, here we go, two minute drill, or we're gonna, we're done. It was never in in, in doubt. Well, I, w- I would, I would just counter with the pit game because yeah. Notre Dame, they they had to, they were still trailing inside of six minutes left in the fourth quarter. So I would point to that one as the honoriest one of the bunch. Um, but even USC, that was scarier in the first half. You right. know, after Notre yep. Dame scored a couple touchdowns. Fair, fair enough. And then they kind of pulled away a little bit. I think and you maybe never really got the feeling. With Pitt, it, it, they were home and I just felt like, you know, they were, you know, I don't know. You're right, though. It's it, just a matter of time. It's right? just a matter of time. That's But you're right. Uh, it, 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 it was still in doubt late in the game. Uh, and we'll break down the game a lot more. I'm sure BK's got some, uh, he's got a way to break down both teams too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, BK talked, he was asked the same question we're debating here, 2012 or 2018, and here's what he had to say about it. I think the best thing about it is the 2012 Alabama team's not in this playoff bracket because 
People forget how physical of a football team that was, offensively and defensively. So that's probably the best news. Uh, the second part of that is that this is a better prepared football team. Uh, coaching, the head coach, uh, everybody associated with it, um, our staff, uh, support staff, everybody's been through it. And, and uh, I can prepare our players um, better for it as well. So our football team is, is, is much more balanced. You know, we were going into that game on the backs of our defense. Um, we can hold our own on offense in, in, in this uh, run as well. So I just think better prepared all around. You know, it doesn't change the competition level. There's still great football teams, but let's not forget that 2012 Alabama team was pretty special. And I'm shocked he didn't say it, so I'm going to say it for him, Todd. Better conditioned team than the 2012 team. No doubt about it, Rags. I think you hit on a very important point right there. The job that Matt Bowles has done really rates up there. If, if they gave a, a conditioning coach of the year award, certainly he would be well-deserving of it. All right. Well, we'll talk more about it in the weeks to come. we got a little time here to talk some hoops. And uh, when we recorded last week, we were getting ready for the big UConn-Notre uh, Dame matchup for the women's teams. And it wasn't much of a matchup, uh, Todd, unfortunately, as uh, in the Huskies really took care of business and took it to Notre Dame at Purcell Pavilion. It, it, it wasn't pretty. No, no. All about the second half, really. UConn led 44-41 at half. And then outscored Notre Dame 45-30 in the second half for an 89-71 win. Notre Dame, all five of their starters scored in double figures. But, man, they did not shoot the ball well at all. Uh, 27 of 67 for the game. That's only 40%. They only went 10 of 34 in the second half. Um, Also a bunch of turnovers. uh, 10 for Notre Dame uh, versus only 9 assists. So, yeah, it, it really... Muffet sums it up very well. She was not happy with the performance, although, Rags, I think this is something you can build on. If you're going to lose bad to UConn, do it in December, not in March. I thought that a lot of the problems that we've been having all year long really surfaced again, and uh, this time the the team we played was was good enough to take advantage of it. Uh, I thought our transition defense was poor. I thought our half-court defense was poor. Offensively, I thought our execution was poor. And then we lost our poise, um, and that was that was unexpected. I was really disappointed to see the, the veterans that we have um, not rise to the occasion. Uh, I think we've, you know, we, we're a better team than we showed. Yeah, it's not the first time we've faced adversity. I, I think that, um, you know, we we've we've been lucky to win. I, I think we've, you know, we've been in this in the situation where we've gotten ourselves down and we're able to come back. We always had that spurt. You know, we always had that spurt in us that five minutes where everything was going to go right. And you know, tonight we just didn't have it. So I think it was good for us. I, I think, uh, you know, it's it's going to allow us to really look at things a little more objectively and to move on and move forward from here. Todd, bottom line, I will sign up for a loss to UConn in early December any day of the week if it meant a win in April. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Rags. And I think because this team has been, you know, just glorified because they won the national championship and everybody, oh, you're the best. Nobody's going to beat you. I think this is good for them. I think it, it grounds these girls a little bit. And I think they can really build off this moving forward for sure. So, uh, uh, they will up next. I uh, would not want to be Toledo, uh, but that who's, that's who's up next for Notre Dame this uh, this weekend. Uh, and you to talk about the men. Tough road loss. They hung in there against Oklahoma. The Sooners, Christian James, a little bit too much for him. The, the guard with 25 points and 10 rebounds. They got a huge game uh, coming up. I wish it meant a little bit more, but a little bit of a tradition as they head out to Ukla. They'll be in UCLA over the weekend. Yeah, 10.30 Saturday night on that one. This Oklahoma game was very strange. 
uh, 85-80, the final there, the Sooners win it. It was just so strange because Oklahoma could not miss. 15 of 29 for three from three-pointers compared to only 7 of 25 for Notre Dame. Yet somehow the Irish were in this thing, even though the Irish also shot only 11 of 19 free throws. I still can't really figure out how they were in this game. I think they even went up one late in this thing. Uh, John Mooney had a great game. 15 points, 14 rebounds. The 14 rebounds are a career high. He had a double-double at halftime, Rag, so maybe you can answer my question is, why wasn't he on the floor down the stretch here? He's probably their most versatile player. He can shoot from the outside. He can take it to the hole. He's a great rebounder. And he wasn't even on the floor down the stretch here. I didn't quite understand that. Yeah, I'm wondering if he was somehow winded a little bit. I don't know. Uh, that's You asked how they stayed in the game, and that's how they stayed in the game was on the glass. They did really took care of business. There. I, I don't know. I, I wondered that a little bit myself. Uh, I'm, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing maybe he just his legs weren't underneath him. I don't know. Yeah, hard to say. Uh, Juwan Durham, uh, the UConn transfer, who's really starting to progress, doing a nice job. Uh, he had 15 points on 7 of 8 shooting with three blocks. He's a real presence around the rim. He's going to be a nice player uh, for Notre Dame. He already is a nice player. Uh, DJ Harvey, 11 points. TJ Gibbs did not shoot the ball very well, but did lead all, lead all Irish with 18 points. Um, so, again, somehow Notre Dame stayed in this game. I'm not sure how. Uh, they're going to have to do a better job of shooting free throws. Notre Dame now is 6-2. and two. Uh, the loss here at Oklahoma and the loss to Radford. I did hear something this week. I didn't realize that Radford went to Texas and beat the Longhorns. So that's, that loss may not be as bad as we originally thought for sure. But as you mentioned, Saturday, 10.30 p.m., Notre Dame goes out to UCLA. Be a nice road win to get. And a big matchup coming up for the hockey team as they are in first place. They are in the top ten, but they'll be on the road against Penn State, who are also in the top ten. So it's a huge weekend for, for the Irish on the ice. Yeah, big big weekend for sure. Notre Dame now ranked number five here. Uh, ten wins, four losses, one tie. Four wins, two losses, no ties in the Big Ten. Penn State has the same overall record, 10-4-1, but they're only 2-3-1 in the Big Ten, so a little more urgency for the Nittany, Nittany, Nittany Lions <laughs> uh, than the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. But yeah, certainly be a, a good series to watch. Notre Dame has now won six in a row after easily sweeping RPI over the weekend. Three to nothing and five to one. All right, Todd, great job as always. We'll do it all over again next week. I do remind you, wherever you found us, make sure you rate and review us and subscribe to the podcast being brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. Todd, we'll do it all over again next week, my friend. Sounds good, Rex. Have a good weekend, man. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.